American dream is not dead. Listen to Neil and Jeff share their leadership experiences through a new kind of leadership podcast. This is The American Hustle. I'm leveled up. And this is my world Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever, however you are joining us. This is The American Hustle, where we believe the American dream is not dead dead. My name is Neil with SFJ 4x4, and I am joined in studio by the producer, Jeff Shermani, the Italian stallion. And we are bringing to you once again, another great topic. And as we typically do, if this is your first time joining us, we have an organic conversation combining our almost 40 years of leadership experience, of failing forward, as I like to think of it. And uh, we unpack uh, topics for you in ways that uh, ideally help you formulate your own beliefs, your own opinions. We will offer some tools of engagement, but, you know, topics that will benefit you socially, personally, entrepreneurially, as a leader, as a, just developing being a good person in your local community. And so um, that is the, the root of what we're trying to accomplish here. We'll tell you how you too can become involved in this podcast as we continue to grow and share and bring to you interesting and uh, unique subjects. Um, but today, what's our topic, Jeffrey? So today we're going to be talking about uh, remote work. Is it dying or is it thriving? And as part of that, we're going to break that down a little bit for you. What is remote work? What's the, you know, the different types of remote work there are? Is it beneficial to anybody? And if so, who? Uh, but before we get to all that, at the end of the episode, we're going to do a quote of the week. My favorite part. And what's fun about that is you obviously have not read that quote of the week. So you get to hear it for the first time with our listeners. Yes. And then uh, if you enjoy the show, give a minute and go do the five-star review for us. Uh, subscribe. Very to helpful to, to share the, share the message, share the word with people around um, and, you know, and get on this bandwagon that the American dream is still alive and well. And definitely, you know, at the end, we'll tell you how to contact us. Feel free to reach out with your own ideas, your own mm-hmm. inputs or thoughts on the topics that we're talking about. Oh, absolutely. And we are going to be talking about a, a work culture, work style. We might have a, make this a multi-part series. Yes. Um, certainly early on in my professional experience, I was really uh, interested in uh, row work, um, work model, if you will. Yeah. Uh, we're not talking about that today. We're going to be talking about a much more hot topic by today's standards because, of course, um, remote work became the only way that people were reasonably employable during the pandemic yeah. and how a number of quote unquote non-essential businesses to use those, that terminology from that, you know, that weird year uh, or two that we had people who were still reporting to jobs. And then we had people whose jobs were, you know, uh, they had to shift how it looked a little bit to them and yeah. to the people who were consuming uh, whatever that may be. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about remote work. And, and uh, we actually, from our, our flagship parent company, 
Uh, we actually have a, a customer, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this topic a little bit was that he has been working remote uh, about six or seven years prior to the big uh, COVID pandemic, yeah. which you know forced so many people to shift how they approach their positions. And now, as a whole, it appears that a number of office-oriented business models are pushing to bring their their employees back under one roof or under, you know, under a keen eye of management versus your virtual and remote meetings and, and groups and whatnot. I, I've got to be honest with you, living through that moment with uh, Zoom calls and, and Google Meet and Microsoft uh, Teams and all these other softwares and man uh, meta trying to do uh, virtual reality meetings and whatnot I I really thought we would never see that falter yeah and I, I gotta be honest with you I I think I'm exposed to more and more people who are going back to a work environment yes and so with that said this customer of ours from our our primary business he's uh his the company he's been working for uh, was recently acquired uh, by a, a larger holding company, and they're pushing for all of their employees to return to the office. And meanwhile, this 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 uh, character is like, "Hey, I was remote for six or seven years. I I'm I have a proven track record. I log X, Y, and Z activities. I'm available via you know calls and meets whenever. However." I shouldn't have to go back to the office, you know? So he's yeah. 10 years remote, uh, a remote worker at this point. Um, this is not somebody who, who went remote out of necessity. This was somebody who went remote because that's how his job was originally designed. Right. You know? So an interesting, interesting take on it. There's a, you know, and he's probably an outlier uh, by comparison to a lot of other individuals who all of a sudden found themselves, um, in a remote uh, or virtual environment by necessity because of the COVID regulations that came correct, out. Correct. Correct. Yep. And, and were those people as productive as they should have been? Um, we ourselves, again, at that, at that parent company level, we have recently, um, I mean, recently had a shift to encourage one of our employees to have some remote or environmental work offsite. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and honestly, some of our employees have remote hours that they're expected to do yeah. uh, outside of uh, the four walls of this business. So I think for us as a business, and that was, those were pre-designed things, um, just how I approached, um, you know, the business model. Yeah. And so, I feel like we've kind of got a unique perspective on it, but does that say that it works overall as a whole? Yeah. So I know you said uh, you looked up a couple different uh, resources that yep. are that are talking about this, but obviously, you know, our, our idea is that people who were otherwise going to an office previously, who then because of the pandemic had to take a couple weeks off and then got back into it at a at a remote level, is that thriving or dying? And so let's break down what remote work is first. Okay. So remote work, there is a full-time remote option mm-hmm. or there's a hybrid remote. Sure. Uh, the hybrid is much like what you were saying with our parent company, where we have employees that work full-time in the building with X hours outside that they're expected to do remote work. Yes. That is a hybrid scenario where they're working both okay. options. Okay. Whereas full remote, they are at home or home office based 98% of the time, there could be 
a meeting or two that they might need to attend. Correct. There could in be person. There could or, be that. There are some some businesses are operating as a full time remote with once a month you have to be in office. Yes. Uh, just to do some of those meetings yes. and things like yes. that. Yes. I have a I have a friend who's employed by a large uh, automotive business and he has to do a week of on site. And so yes. Uh, whether that's you know one day every four weeks and and an extra you know a bonus day, or he just goes and he does a week in his office and then he gets to do you know three weeks off, um, that's between him and his manage management staff. Yeah, but um, realistically, there is a a degree of flexibility in there, and I think that's interesting as we talk about this is it is highly dependent on the type of work um, the the market that you are serving and i and i do use that term you know that you're serving cuz I, I think that's important to the business um and then the individual well and i think not only that but the technology available to your company sure. plays a part in that because there are literally surgeons doing remote work currently mm. they Interesting. are they're doing a surgery across the world yes now the technology has expanded enough that they're able to do that. And yes, that doctor's still physically working in a hospital scenario. Sure. But the remote work of it, doing a surgery in another country, is literally possible. Sure. And this is more of the, an outlier, right? I mean, Absolutely. this is not a commonplace, but it is a thing. So in, in medical world, it's actually becoming more and more common. Sure. Um, even when you go under for surgery the monitoring team is most likely not located in the same building. Mm, interesting. I know recently we've had some some procedures and they've been still very much a hands-on application, but that could be the, geographically and, where we're located. And, and, and generally speaking, the surgeon probably is, but the people that are monitoring all your vitals and stats, sure. they're monitoring on a computer across across the country. Sure. Yeah, what an interesting, what an interesting uh, world we're living in in that sense, right? Yeah. And so to say that, that individual, um, for that example, has to be highly aware, right? Yes. So if they've got a couple different patients they're monitoring, and granted, there's probably a computer program that we're entrusting to, yeah, I'm sure there's, to assist in that and, process. And I don't know all the details of it, but I know that that is right, a more a relevant thing. thing. Um, the idea that um, at that at that juncture, that person cannot put uh, what, what was being called a mouse shaker yeah. on the computer just to keep it alive, right. keep the, 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 the computer alive, because yeah. you're kind of keeping a human alive, you and, know? And that leads into the, the topic of them, does that make you lazy? And there absolutely were people that were putting the old uh, watch, the, not the Apple digital watches, but the ones with the actual arms going around underneath the mouse so that it kept the mouse awake. Mm. Like, yeah, oh, we figured out how to keep it look like we're active on the computer. Sure. Sure. And there was a couple different softwares that you could patch in that would yep. be the mouse shaker that would move it, yep. you know, uh, to keep the computer running. And I actually have a couple acquaintances, one a very close couple of very close friends who work uh, either in a, a semi hybrid option um, or a loosely organized um, full time remote option. Uh, actually have one friend who's who's within reason has the capacity to be full-time remote, doesn't even actually have a supervisor that is directly managing him. He is responsible for taking uh, what, what would be considered on a large scale archaic maps of how a system works yeah. 
and converting them for uh, digital archives. Yeah. And so his whole job is to convert uh, a physical, you know, a physical system process uh, for infrastructure, right? So the actual blueprints and mapping of the physical infrastructure and, and, and digitalize it and then, you know, categorize it. And so he's arguably, there's so much of this that exists within this one particular company um, and it is a state level business, but yeah. it is a private business and not a public entity that he foreseeably could do this for the rest of his career. Yeah. Okay. And he is the only person employed doing this for this business and he has no direct supervisor. It basically, he was hired under the pretense that he's trustworthy enough that they expect these things to exist um, if and when a, uh, when I use the term engineer, I don't mean the person who's creating, but an engineer, a person who's um, problem solving, who's pulling these prints, these digital prints. When that person, that engineer has a question about one of these digital applications, he, uh, my friend, has to then be responsive and help them understand what they're looking at. Yep. But otherwise, when he's not doing that, there's nobody else within the business that he's working with. Yeah. And it's a global business with a, an em emphasis on state-level operations. And he is a, basically within reason. The state of Ohio is his territory that he's doing this for. Okay. He actually likes to go into the office. He can sit in his uh, home office and he has a treadmill that he, you know, he goes, I should be using the treadmill or the, you know, it's a elliptical or something. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And he goes, I should be doing that. Well, I'm breaking down prints, but I don't. I sit at this massive monitor and massive computer uh, where he has a switcher. Yeah. That switches between his home gaming system and his, uh, his home rig and his work rig. Right. And he's got these, Two independent computers, not so, even the so same. So what you just said is that he's gaming at home instead of working at home. <laughs> so the, the, actually, it was an interesting conversation, and it had no, nothing to do with us and our topic today. It just came up in conversation um, that he struggles to differentiate his time. Yeah. Because... Um, because he is an avid gamer. He loves, uh, you know, the strategy games that are offered digitally. And, uh, and, and so he actually has a switcher that will physically switch between the two computers, not even on one massive monitor, like a yeah. TV monitor. And he's not even having, you know, some of these people who all of a sudden were, were thrust into re remote work have like Uno computer. Yeah. And, and so like the same computer that you're running your social media on and you're maybe you're running your favorite game in the background is also now supposed to be running your work uh your work information yep not even his situation but it's the same chair it's the same monitor it's the same room it's the same um i don't know everything right yep, yep. and it's and he goes uh, he loses track of a little bit of his of his day because uh, he can you know, very well, he's he's waking up, he's checking social media, and then all of a sudden it's supposed to be work time. And he works throughout the day, and he, he goes, all of a sudden he knows it's 6, 7 o'clock at night. He's still on his work computer because 
it's a familiar environment to him. So it's easier to lose track of time. So it's easier to lose track of time. And he goes, sometimes he actually has to like get up, go force himself to do something um, like completely different. And then he'll like sit back down to do his social stuff, you know, watch YouTube or, or play on, you know, some of the strategy games or whatnot. Yeah. But the challenge of the fact that the environment never changes for him yep. is a psychological one for him. Yeah. You know? And so that's a really interesting situation. And so he loves to go into the office at this point because sometimes that's the only hu- human interaction he, he'll have for days. Yep. And there's also uh, the fact that I know personally many of the remote employees that prefer to go back to the office because of the fact that at home there's too many distractions. Yes. It's harder to focus. It's harder to actually be as productive as they want to be. And so they prefer to be in the office where they can have less interruptions, even if that means working in an office by themselves in a closed cubicle, whatever. And what a a tremendously interesting um, thought process that is because we sometimes think think that, oh, hey, if I just had a couple extra minutes at home to do X, Y, and Z, if, oh, I can just throw uh, the dishwasher, I can just do a quick load of dishes, I'll be better set up for 5, 5.30 when I'm, air quotes, done for the day. Yeah. The issue is um, you're still taking time and energy away from your work environment. You go, okay, well, yeah, but I'd be I'd be hanging out at the water cooler, uh, you know, fussing about the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you're trying right? to justify... And you start to try and justify. One of the challenges, the biggest challenges I see, both with self-employment, and this is where self-employment and um, and and remote work, in my mind, cross over. It is the prioritization of investment. Yes. Okay. And so the idea is that as an ind- as an independent business owner, you start to recognize the the quantifiable. Uh, aspects of your day to say this 15 minutes was worth X, Y, and Z dollars. And I needed to prioritize making this phone call back to this person. I needed to prioritize moving X paper from pile A to pile B and whatever it took to move it from pile A to pile B, right? Yeah. If I am at home and as a remote worker employed by somebody else, I can, if I don't have the if I don't have the buy-in, if I don't have the investment in the company, I can easily prioritize something else. Oh yeah, over that task at hand. Yep. Right. And so this is the issue with with remote work without specificity is the idea that the tasks that I am doing in this moment may not be uh, fulfilling to what the business needs overall. Right. As an independent small business owner, you eventually, certainly one that wants to be success-driven, you eventually get very in tune with these tasks that I'm doing are quantifiable. They have to make sense in the big picture of the business. Whereas if I'm a remote worker working for, you know, air quotes, the man, and it's got me down and, you know, you know, they're a multi-billion dollar company and I'm just a peon and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go do a load of laundry. I'm going to. Yeah. You'll probably get your reports turned in, but they'll be half of what they should be. And at the last minute, because you didn't prioritize. Exactly. Because you didn't prioritize and you didn't invest fully in the process. And I guess my own reservation, my own little bit of divisive 
belief is the fact that you're going to justify the fact that you did a good job. Yep. And I think that that's my frustration with remote work as a whole is to say that there's a lot of people who are working remote who are like, hey, I did six hours of solid work. I would have burnt that other two hours during the day anyways, BSing about, you know, again, Super Bowl or Christmas or buying presents or future hopes and dreams. But I got six good hours in. Okay, well, of that six hours, were they task-oriented hours? Did you actually fully complete to the best of your ability everything that you would have done in the office at that time? Yeah. You know? And And if the answer is yes, then that is a good, appropriate fit. But- the it, problem is I is think everybody's going to say yes, you know? But There's going to be a handful of people who will be like, no, oh, I, I screwed around for eight hours and I got paid for it. Right. And But, I mean, I, if, you're, that if, frustrates if me. you're really truthful with yourself and you, and you take the time to reflect that, I do think that remote work has good opportunities. And I think it is a good fit in certain industries. I, I agree wholly. Unfortunately, I don't have the faith in the average a worker who does not have a task-oriented uh, management plan in place, meaning has the the business said, hey, these are our core values. These are our expected timeframes. Here's the things that you need to do to do that, to, to meet this. So let me ask this. When it comes to a remote worker being quote-unquote lazy, is it because of the employee or is it because of the leadership that was has set forth? I'm so glad you asked that question because I think it's an appropriate differentiation for our listeners because I, as a leader, wholly believe that as, uh, as a country, as a globe, we were not prepared to give the tools to our workers. Yes. Okay. So is it the employee? No, the employee actually believes they're doing a pretty good job. They're, they're getting over, uh, you know, Excuse the graphic nature of the next sentiment, folks, but they're pooping on company time, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm getting paid to go to the bathroom, right? That's an old adage. That's fine, right? You, oh, hey, I'm getting paid to go to the bathroom today. Whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that to the average worker. Um, not even mad about that, right. right? From there, they go, oh, but I put in my good six hours. They got solid six hours. They got full production value out of me. Yeah, that's you know? more than I would have done if I was in the office. Exa- I've heard that. Exactly. That's exactly it, right? I think the big issue, and this is why I was such a wholehearted believer in results-oriented or results-only work environments, Yeah, was that the individualized uh, management or the management needed to give individualized action plans to their employees. I now, 20 years later, recognize how hard that is. Yeah. To say, these are my expectations. Are you doing that? And then do we have a checks and balances associated with, did you do these 14 things this week? Yeah. Um, the level of hands-on management that has to be had to do that successfully is contrary to what we've been doing as an American or Western workforce for the last 30, 40 years. Yep. Unfortunately, and while I certainly at an owner, I understand the oddity of demands placed on ownership or higher level management, where it's a lot of decision-making, some problem solving, um, customer service or, or even managerial services provided to people. Um, 
is there are demands and there are challenges with that. Actually creating, implementing task-oriented action plans where you're saying, hey, these are the tasks, these are the expectations of your position, and then holding people accountable to that is a is almost a wholly different job. Yeah. That's what a manager is supposed to be doing, but we haven't been practicing that as a uh, Western workforce in decades. It's been upholding policies and procedures. That's what management has largely been doing. Yep. Middle management. Um not actually creating action plans, tasks, expectations, and then creating weights and measures to uh, ensure that that's happening. So there's a breakdown in, in, in infrastructure for me. And, and, and even good employees can then become complacent in the process um, because they don't feel like they're being affirmed or they don't feel like they're being rewarded for giving above and beyond of what they right. their investment because they're working on task A and management really wanted task C to be addressed. Yep. Okay, well, now we're just task A was was done with excellence, but all of a sudden because of a lack of prioritization and communication between management and the workforce, uh, your your needs are not meeting each other's needs. Right. Does the business move forward a little bit? Sure, but not on the same page. So who benefits from at-home work? That, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I'm my, the jury's out for me. Do you know? The jury is out for me because arguably the, the idea would be that it would be mutually beneficial. Yes. Right? That's the ideal in the situation is that it's mutually beneficial that a, uh, that the a worker could schedule their day to meet their needs. So yes. if they need to get their kid onto the school bus um, and they know that that's going to take 20 minutes or, or 25 or 45, I don't, I don't care, you know, that they can start at a particular time and end at a time conducive to some of the home tasks that they need to get done. Um, likewise, uh, you have access to resources that um, may benefit you as an individual to make your job more efficient. And then as the business as a whole to say, hey, since I I have this in my possession, I can do X, Y, and Z with it uh, above and beyond what the business is able to do. Yeah. Right? And the business goes, hey, you know what? I really appreciate that you have that as my concession. Work from home, you know? Yeah. Create the flexibility of your schedule. Be able to assist in family household tasks in that process. Um, and uh, and therefore, it is beneficial for both the business and the individual. You as a perfect example is you upload uh, all of our uh, audio for yep. our podcast. You produce the podcast. And the expectation is that you, your production and upload takes place in a outside the four walls hours of the business. Yes. And you have certain equipment and um, you have a space where you can listen through if you need to. You can do value-added production as needed yep. for our uh, for our for our podcasting and social outreach purposes. Yeah. Likewise, you can go in and clean up audio from uh, a video or from something as needed too. Right. Yeah. And that's that's a great asset 
to our parent company as a whole. Now, with that said, if all of a sudden you stopped uploading, you know, uh, yeah. that's a weight and measure. Each yep. week you're expected to have a routine upload schedule yep. and a communication with our host uh, sites that host our streaming of our, you know, streaming and downloading. Yeah. If all of a sudden you were unable to speak on any of that communication uh, of the host sites, or if you were to be like, ah, yeah, I just haven't uploaded these in two weeks or three weeks or what? Okay, well, wait. <laughs> now we have a problem. Now we have a problem. Yep. Right? So part of the benefit, though, is not only just for the individual and all the conveniences you just listed and the, and the added potential for productivity of a business, but also the lower overhead cost of a business. Absolutely. And that is actually one of the big reasons why companies didn't immediately pull people back in from remote work is because they realized the potential of savings with how much their overhead costs went down. 100%. But Phenomenal. It, but it's a double-sided sword because they started to realize now we need to hire more IT people to work yes. remote so that we can handle all these remote issues with people's yes. home computers and connecting into the programs. And I'm a firm believer in that. Anytime somebody tries to shoot holes in... Um, Job loss or job creation. Oh, robots are taking over our, our, our manufacturing jobs or um, <clears throat> or EV, you know, electric vehicles aren't going to float because we don't have enough uh, charging stations or whatever. Here's the thing about the human spirit. We're going to figure it out. We're going to adapt, right? So now, yeah, the robot... Uh, welds the car for you as it goes down the assembly plant. Well, you know what? Now we need to hire a programmer who can work on uh, programming the the movements of the robot. Yeah. The same. We need to hire an, a, a tech to fix the robot. The same issues. character who was putting the car together is that character is now putting the robotic arms together. They're just in a little bit of a different location. They're doing a couple different aspects of their job. Right. But it's the same character. It's the same type of person, you know? Yeah. And we've created jobs. Yes, we've eliminated it. We've become more efficient at manufacturing cars, but now we've created jobs that support the new process. Likewise, with petroleum gas uh, products. We're going to create the same new infrastructure, same new jobs, same type of technicians. Yeah. You're not delivering fuel anymore? Cool. You're going to need to have a technician who drives around in a really fancy, heavy-duty truck who can fix the battery packs and the charging stations and the electrical connections as they age and wear. Yeah. It's just part of the human experience, you know? Absolutely. And the lower overhead was something that businesses experienced because we adapted as a society. And that was, you know, a brilliant thing. Yeah, it felt very different because of the abrupt nature of sending all these people home to work remotely. Right. But all of a sudden businesses went, hey, you know what? We have this satellite office where there's only three people employed, but we're paying um, an obscene amount of rent. Yeah. Right. Um, because of its physical uh, neighborhood that it's in. It's just a high rent neighborhood. You know what? Let's let's close that one. Yeah. And um, they can work from home. They can work from home. And if they need to do a meeting with a local client, then they go to a coffee shop. Yep. And now we're patronizing the new coffee shop or a little restaurant or a heck a chain store, you know? Yeah. And hey, that rent was, you know, $5,000 a month. So we're going to give you a stipend of 500 a month extra. 
well, the company just saved a ton of money. Ton of money. And you're happier because you have that extra stipend now. You have that stipend. You can go out, you can get a coffee with a client. You can, you know, rent out a, a small meeting space as necessary. Yeah. And in theory, it should work pretty well, yeah. you know? Um, one of the challenges I was personally acquainted with a financial institution um, that prior to COVID had uh, endeavored to build a mega headquarters in, uh, in, in a urban center. And they, they built this building and it was, I mean, we're talking, it was, they could see the finish line when COVID shut down the world. Oh yeah. Right. So it's a bank, it's a financial institution. They don't have to have everybody in house. It was more, Hey, look at us. This is our new skyscraper. This is that, you yeah. know, there is, it's a particular business out of uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And for about two and a half years, three years, uh, roughly speaking, two and a half years, they, they kept people out of the bank, out of this skyscraper, you know, but it was, they were paying the bill on it still. So finally they said, Hey, you know what? Everybody's coming back to work because we've got a building that we're paying for yep. and it's absolutely worthless if everybody is working remotely. Uh, another really close example is Erie Insurance. Okay. Erie Insurance right before COVID broke ground on, I, I believe it was a multi-million dollar location. Okay. Same. And, this sounds very similar then. Yeah. And they the ground broke in downtown Erie and then everything got shut down. Right. Well, they've already paid all the contracts to have it built. So once, it, once COVID opened back up, they continued with construction. But now you've got all these remote workers in a giant building with nobody to fill it. Right. So they started pulling people right back in as well. Yeah. And, and so the question is, who does that benefit at that point? Right. Um, in your conversation, does it benefit the business? Are they, are the workers more productive at this point in time? Are we doing it on principle? Did we see a loss in productivity, um, and expectation? I, I think it's a really interesting thing that, that we're going to see over the next 10, 20 years, we're going to see fallout from this mass uh, remote work or virtual work scenario. Well, it's, and, it's changing every industry, um, even newspapers. And this one is, is really interesting, but they are changing it up, whereas they used to have, you know, 30 to 50 different carriers delivering newspapers to homes. The United States Postal Service is now doing that. Yes. It's they're taking away jobs because they realize the overhead cost because of that at home stuff. And because of the, the change in society and the digitalization, less people are enjoying newspapers. Sure. So there's, there's just a constant shift and adapting to that shift is what's important. Right. And, and not to get too far off the, the subject matter here, but I really think one of the businesses that we saw um, a lot of excitement about a, a big push was, uh, Zuckerberg's the metaverse. Yeah. And I really thought there was some potentiality there. I think and, there still is. And I, well, but I think what's interesting is I personally have seen less and less or heard less and less. Um, and of course we were, we were billed as a consumer market that everybody was going to put their, their virtual, you know, their VR headsets on. And you were going to all of a sudden be in this a virtual meeting room where you could actually interact in a yeah uh, in a in a positive uh, social but business manner yeah and 
I am wondering, I just, <clears throat> I feel like I was exposed to a lot of that talking point during COVID. And I just feel like uh, I haven't seen it come I think the, more further development on it. I think the cost benefit of it is too far away right now. Mm, interesting. And because of those virtual headsets, how expensive they still are mm -hmm. to have the, the ones that link up like that and be able to have that whole virtual space. Um, and, and to be able to, as a company like Meta, manage that virtual space and provide that software and the, the coding and all of that, I think it's just too expensive at this current juncture. Yes. As we move forward, I think that price is going to come down well, and be, become more affordable and become a bigger option for companies. And I thought it was one of the interesting pieces I wanted to talk to as, a, as an extension of this specific conversation is when we were in a board meeting mm -hmm. 15 years ago, there was a particular demeanor uh, in which we were supposed to act. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, well, not only act, dress, the the appearance of you. Correct. It was correct. all very professional and and, and structured. And there was a, a and there was also an expectation of how we communicated. So if you had a specific speaker within the boardroom, yep. Um, you were all supposed to, within reason, be as quiet as possible while that person was speaking when uh, when they were done speaking, only then could you basically raise your hand, you yeah. know, kind of like elementary school stuff, and, and make be a, given an opportunity. Either make, make given an opportunity to speak or make a motion to present something. And if that motion doesn't pass, guess what? You're just sitting there shutting up. And, and so it's an interesting uh, conversation that you and I both are aware of this. And I know that that's not always the case, right? In a privately owned business, sometimes people get kind of fired up and they intervene. I certainly remember I was not in a private. Um, I mean, it was, I was, uh, it was, it's not a franchise, but it was a larger organization. Um, and I remember being in a meeting with, uh, you know, 20 to 30 people. And I remember the curt interactions. Uh, it was one of the first times I was really exposed to, um, it was these different departments and individuals from a specific department simply behaved. Their expectation was different than the rest of the people in the meeting. They would make faces. They would do these big, uh, you know, uh, sighs and like sucking of their teeth and weird noises that were just totally unprofessional yeah. by the by the standards of the rest of the room. Yeah. But departmentally and the job that these guys, uh, these individuals did, it was actually a little more acceptable within their realm. Yeah. But it was because we were all sitting in one room together. And I, I still being, uh, I still remember being exposed to that and thinking, wow, this is really weird, right? So move forward. So we, we just kind of unpack this expectation of us being in a board meeting and, and how we behave and a, a uh, adjourn our meeting or motion to speak or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, now when we do, uh, whether it'd be a virtual, like a, a meet, um, or a zoom meeting, or then even our, our VR meetings, there's ambient background noise. There could be, uh, you know, train horns, train horns yeah, from our own personal business here. Right. Um, there additionally, the, the lack of attire is is completely gone. Right. You have people attending these meetings in t-shirt, a hoodie, 
uh, sometimes no pants, which was a big running joke for, big running for a joke. while. Uh, uh, we had people who didn't know their cameras were on, and, and yeah. there was all types of crazy stories that came out, you know, outlying. I understand that they are people outlying walking, and outlandish. People walking into the room that aren't supposed to be involved in the meeting that are not appropriate for that camera correct yeah oh yeah people but they had no idea that the they had that no idea spouse was, was on the spouse was on or they were then even doing it intentionally right. at a point we developed a, an entire subculture through these meetings which we now are more tolerant of we're now more accepting of that, that oh I, I factually i know when i talk to one of our customers who does a lot of remote work he has wind chimes i can hear his wind chimes um I don't know. Actually, it can be a little distracting. Yeah. You know? The dog um, barking in the background the constantly. The dog barking in the background. The kids who are coming and going. The spouses who are accidentally or intentionally disrupting their, uh, you know, their significant other's meeting or friends who are popping in or something happening on the street that's distracting that otherwise would have been experienced by the whole community or not at all, right? right? If that meeting was happening and a jet flew past a skyscraper, we all would have experienced it or none of us would have experienced it. Now there's all these disconnected experiences. Additionally, when the computer's lagging or individualized equipment is working incorrectly or yeah. insufficiently. And what I think is fascinating is generationally, we are creating a whole... Uh, couple generations of people who accept that as normal discourse, right. normal business interaction. And so whether it's through socialization even, or an I, entertainment. I would even say our generation to an extent has become to accept it as normal and have almost forgotten how we were brought up and the ways that we. Well, it's, it's valuable for our listeners to understand that we identify within the millennial generation. Right. We're at the tail end of the, the Gen Xs. Uh, if we were to fall into just year uh, delineations, uh, we are solely in that millennial uh, grouping right. where we're on the cusp of that Robert's Rules of Order business meeting. Yes. And now this more tolerant. Uh, environment. And uh, arguably what has happened since COVID throughout the remote workforce or virtual workforce is yet even further yes. a, uh, a, you know, peel back of those formalities that we once were subjected to. Yes. Agreed. So really interesting stuff. And, and so the question is, can we measure the success of remote or virtual work? Well, I think you can measure it. And I think some companies have figured that metric out. Okay. And I firmly believe the companies that figure out that metric now are the ones that are going to last going into the future. Sure. Um, it is very much to me the same scenario of uh, Sears Roebuck not wanting to get away from catalogs and go online. Yes. It's 100% that same recognition of change and getting ahead of it. Yes. So And creating a... I, I, I think that that's uh, a valuable analogy, juxtaposition to say Sears and Roebuck was at one time the most powerful mail order business arguably in the world. Yeah. Right? And, Absolutely. Um. They did transition appropriately enough into the department store craze. Yes. Um, but realistically, they got to a point where they rejected 
online retail sales. Absolutely. And so despite the fact that really they would have been Online retail sales were actually closer to their mail order business that they, they, they literally successful. could have been powerhouses with the online sales. Hundred percent, they could have been our Amazon. They, they absolutely had every every foundational principle there that they could have done that. Right, and and they uh, this famous famous story. They rejected the modernity of the the of a culture that is looking for this to happen because I think that. Your statement to say that businesses have to familiarize themselves with virtual or remote work, uh, that is never going to go away at this point. Right. And so at a particular level, yes, you are still going to need a craftsman to come into your house to fix physically fix your plumbing. Yeah. But the same craftsman who is physically fixing your plumbing is going to need to brush up on their skill sets, which will probably be done well virtually. Ordering parts and getting them there quickly versus what just happens to be lingering around the local small town America versus I can order this part and have it here in three days. The finances of doing things remotely or getting paid virtually, assisting in our cash flow as business owners, all of those things are not going away. Right. No longer are we just walking into somebody's house banging on a pipe, finding a fitting that was just kicking around the truck that I drove in and then taking a, a, a handful of cash. That business is dying. Yes. That expectation, because now a person can go down to the basement, look at that fitting and go, that doesn't quite look right. Take a picture of it, throw it on social media and be like, you know, Jim Bob's, Jim Bob's plumbing did this fixture for me. Is this right? And, and at that point in time, we're off to the races. Yeah. And so successful business is now a hybrid, no matter what, of virtual and remote work. Absolutely. One way or the other you look at it, it's just never going away. And as you said, businesses who identify that and accept it early are, and then actually employ metrics to measure its success, so I think is going to be the important piece. Now that we've very positively identified that it is never going away. Yes. Is it dying or is it thriving? I I think I so my own personal belief is that it is um squandering. Okay. I don't I don't want to use the word dying cuz to 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 kind of imply that it's going to shrivel up, die and fade away, but I think that it's like wounded. Yeah. It's wounded as a whole, and it's kind of like flopping about like a fish, fish out, out of water, water right? Because yep. uh, a lot of businesses didn't have the uh, infrastructure or expectation of management to employ it successfully. So I actually pulled three different articles on this topic. Um, one as recent as February 6, 2023. Another one was October 2023, another okay. November. So all within the last 18 months or so. Correct. Um, this one is actually uh, from Forbes, and they're they're pretty big on leadership and business strategy sure. type articles. Um, they actually talk about Disney and Starbucks requiring employees to return back to work. Sure. Um, some of it is talking about the statistics, uh, specifically that CEOs of big companies. Survey found that 60% of them plan on increasing headcount while only 7% plan on reducing it in hmm. office. So what they're saying is that on a CEO level, 
the belief is that going forward, we're bringing people back into the office. Interesting. On a, on a CEO level. Now, based on the other articles that I have, I mean, I've got a freelancer and I've got one from uh, a Salt Lake Tribune. There is very mixed reviews. There's literally studies that are showing that the at-home work or the remote jobs are increasing at a very significant rate. Hmm. But what what's being determined is that large companies where the CEOs yes. are, are the sixty percent of CEOs are bringing people back in. Small companies are realizing the overhead savings, and they're cutting costs by going to more remote positions. Yeah, unfortunately, all you're doing is affirming my beliefs, right? Not a, not a big, um, <clears throat> not a, not a big enough. Uh, you know, kind of of contrary nature to what I I personally see in the workforce. I, I I personally believe there are a number of what I would call legacy business institutionalized companies. Yeah, that I just personally believe they are justifying or rationalizing the way that they have done business for decades prior, because they have all of this time, energy, and resource invested in in person employment. Yes. And that's a model that they know. Sears has a model that they know. Yes. And this new model eh, doesn't look like it's worthwhile in creating this big shift. The thing is, smaller, um, more mobile businesses, and I don't mean mobile in the sense of like, hey, can I come to your house and, and wash your windows? I mean that the business has mobility in how it does business. It's not rigid right. in its mindset. It, it's growth oriented. Um, that those businesses are identifying a systemic shift in the culture of workers. Yes. And and consumers, because now consumers are a little more okay. Workers are a little more okay with the meeting lagging in the virtual. They're a little more okay with the wind chimes in the background. Oh, yeah. And, and what I've got from those three articles, and I don't have a, a factual statistic number. Sure. But what I got from reading those three articles is as a whole, as CEOs that are 60% saying, no, we're bringing people back and, and that we're getting rid of remote work as a country versus uh, all the other small business saying, no, no, we're doing more of that. The common ground on all of them is they all agree hybrid scenarios work. Sure. They all agree hybrid scenario is something that is going to continue to grow going forward. Sure. And I, I will leave this last piece, and this is a piece that as a, an, at an ownership level, I try to force myself into a, a outside my comfort zone. But I personally really struggle over the years of trying to work with free, freelance um, artisans and uh, workers to do aspects of this business remotely. Yeah. Whether that is how I communicate with them or how I look at my own weights and measures or the fact that I know that um, that I can be a little challenging and I'm going to ask you to redo this four, five, seven times. And if you're a freelancer who's on the other side of the country and I'm, I'm into my fourth or fifth revision and we don't have an established relationship to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, where I'm trying to show my authenticity, my, my genuine nature to be like, you're so close, but it's not exactly my vision. Right. Um, 
a lot of those editing type remote businesses, in my experience, gave you like two or three, four revisions tops. Yeah. Three, three revisions was typically all you got. Yeah. Well, I got to be honest with you. If you, if I was not able to communicate my vision right away and what you produced for me on edit number one was like left of center. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm in tune with myself as a, as an owner with my vision to say, I'm not okay with that. So that edit doesn't count in my mind, right? Yeah. But one of us miscommunicated here. And and so I have personally struggled with uh, utilizing remote or virtual uh, resources over the years as this has come up off the ground. I believe that uh, businesses like Fiverr have a really good place. I believe that AI is being implemented uh, within within reason appropriately to assist our workforce uh, to this point, despite the fact that I think there's a wild unknown that that presents us. Yeah. Um, my own challenge with utilizing r- remote and virtual is in that creating culture and creating weights and measures to say, did we did we reach a common goal together? I've personally struggled with that over the years. And so therefore, hybrid makes the most sense to me yeah. to say, on one hand, we're going to establish this culture, this relationship, and, and then we're going to create a metric to measure whether or not our expectations of each other are being met. Yes. And you can do that remotely then at that point. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's interesting because I know that a lot of people can build websites remotely or um, can do data entry remotely yeah. or do uh, engineering of sorts or architectural design or safety standards remotely. But for me, there still needs to be that culture and uh, relationship from worker to employer. And accountability on both parts. 100%. 100%. This has been a fantastic topic. We're going to continue to un- unpack workplace cultures uh, going forward. So you're going to want to tune in. If you thought this was interesting, we're going to talk about some of those workplace cultures and different models that have been used over the years um, in the next uh, upcoming episode. So tune in for that. We want you to be involved in both the planning of topics and the feedback for the information that we are sharing. You can reach out to Jeff, our producer, directly at jeffc at sfj4x4.com. Those are the numbers. You can reach out to him and you can share with him what you thought about this episode. Fun fact, I access a lot of those emails remotely. Yeah, that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. You're right. We're very, very virtual in how we manage our information. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that is the way of the world going forward. We want to hear from you, and you know, manage those emails and manage that information that you're sharing with us. Additionally, if it's a quick snippet you want to share with us, you can hit us up on our text only number four four zero eight five five two one zero zero. When we come back from this short break, we'll be into the quote of the week. And this is my world now. Intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. And that's Stephen Hawking. Everything that Stephen Hawking says is good, first of all. Absolutely. Second of all, anytime uh, I, we have the remote nature of adapt and overcome, I'm, I'm here for it. Right? I knew I'm you'd like this quote. Uh, without question. This, so. this speaks to you. It does. It, it does. And, and intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. Yep. That's just, 
For me, it's about that growth mindset, uh, you know, words that I beat into those around me, uh, you know, into their into their their talking points, into their head, into their soul. Um, and so being able to say to to see what's coming down the pipe, to not pull the Sears and Roebuck. Yeah. Um, but actually adapt to how the world is as a whole choosing to function. Yeah. Um, you know, there are, there are those of us who want to stand resolute in the things that we know and believe and have experienced. And there's, and that's not to say that that isn't appropriate. There are times where the newest, greatest fad is just it's that, just that. Yes. a fad. Yes. So there are times where you do have to just stand your ground and be like, no, I, I know that this way works. That is just a fad. I'm not going to jump on that. And there are other times where you have to be able to recognize that that might not just be a fad, that that might be the way the world is going. And I think I'd like to to offer up the idea that to stand resolute in what you believe, but not entirely reject the possibility of what is yet to come. Absolutely. Folks, I'll leave you with that idea. It has been a banger. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. Check back in with us next week as we continue similar cool conversations about leadership, social development, and all around being a good human being. We hope that you get out there, create some change, and make sure that you get hungry. And stay hungry. And this is my the American dream is not dead. We want to help you along the way. With over 40 years of combined leadership experience, we want to help you succeed. Share your stories, ask us questions, and believe in the American dream. Through heart and hustle, we will show you the path of success and hopefully have a little fun along the way. You can email us at jeffc at sfj4x4.com or text us at 440-855-2100. Until next time, lead with your heart and keep hustling.